Unfiltered Love Radio. Morning, unfiltered love radio. It's your boy Kill Listens because I listen from heaven, I listen from earth, I listen from you, I listen from me, I listen from Edwards, and we all answer it through love. What's going on today? Let's get ready to talk about life and how things are going. Our goal here, as usual, is to make sure you are living your mega life today. So, are you living your mega life today? I want to hear from you. Push that star button. Thanks, everybody who's been pushing the star button. Let's get this day going. Filter Love Radio, you got your boy Kel Listens, because I listen from heaven to earth to you to me. We listen to everything. You know what I'm saying? So, special shout out. Happy birthday to the greatest voice of there that there was to ever live, the Miss Whitney Houston. She should have been 54 years old today. Whitney, rest in peace. This mix is just for you. That was the unfiltered Whitney Houston mix. Thank you, Miss Houston, for your many years, many, many years of giving us great vocal ability and somebody to look up to that can actually sing real notes. Woo! Rest up there, girl. Rest. Up next, we got unfiltered news. Unfiltered Love Radio. All right, all right, all right. We're back with unfiltered news. Let's talk about it. So FBI agents plan to raid Paul Manafort's home. So we're going to find out what's going on. He was the chairman of the Trump campaign, if you didn't know. Also, another news. Be careful to watch your mind because North Korea is saying that they can have a nuclear attack can mess with our minds. But Rex Tillerson said we have nothing to worry about. Donald Trump is just speaking the language that Kim Jong-un can follow. And I agree. So let's keep going. Um, also, when other breaking news, transgender service members are suing Trump over the ban for them not to enter into the military. Also, we have sources that say Usher does not have herpes. So is accuser Quantasia Sharp, as we talked about last time. Miss Sharpton, now we're not going to go there today. We talked about her yesterday, but her accusations might be false. She may be getting sued herself for defamation of character. Donald Glover discusses a new season of Atlanta. Season 2 is going to be better than season 1, he says. And for all you hip-hop lovers out there that watch the show Power Like I Do, guess what? G-Unit is reported to set to have a Power mixtape. Now that's going to be lit. So we're going to see what's going on with this news. Stay tuned for the topic.
And there you have it, Miss Whitney Houston, giving us her all, saving her best that she got just for us. Oh, what a loss, what a loss. 54 years you would have been today. We still have your music as a legacy. Stay tuned. Unfiltered Love Radio. Filter Love Radio. Yo, 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 we back with today's topic. Today's topic, we're talking about race and injustice. I know it's a touchy subject, but somebody got to talk about it. Why not us? We have a lot of people uh, coming in from the polls, got a few callers coming in. So we're going to see what this goes and what we're talking about here. Stay tuned. If you want to chime in on the conversation, chime in on the conversation. Go to either to my Facebook at Kellison. That's K E L Z L I S O N. Because Kells, listen. That's at Facebook. Or you can join us on the Twitter feed at the same name. Come join the conversation. Call in. Put them stars up. Clap them hands. Let's talk about it, people. In a society filled with sex, drugs, and money, and trap music, we still forget about our history, people. Let's talk about it. There are some intrinsic parts of our foundation that have been broken, that have not been fixed as an American people, as a society, and we need to get it together. Look, the Constitution is not perfect, nor are none of the tenets of the Constitution perfect. No rule under man, woman, or child is perfect. There have been many genocides. The Armenian Genocide, the Jewish Holocaust, the Spanish Genocide, the Indian Genocide. Almost every race has had a genocide. But when it comes to one of the longest running genocides that we're still dealing with in 2017, it has to be the genocide of the African American or the black person in America. What's going on? Why haven't this been fixed? Why haven't we been able to clean up? Why haven't we been able to get a chance like everybody else? Somebody answer that question. Well, one of the things is because we don't know foundational principles of the history of it, it is not important to any other race. See, the rest of them had somebody else to help them pull themselves out of the situation that they were in so that when they came to the next place, they had a destination to go because they knew the historical context of what it was. So let's talk a little about that historical context, even if it's just from an American textbook point of view. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. That way we understand where we need to go, how we need to fix it, and make it important to those who don't necessarily have the same skin type as we do. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. And we're back to Unfiltered Love Radio. Let's talk about it. So in 1619, over here in Jamestown, Virginia, we talk, We see the first Africans arrive on these big colonial ships. They were in chains and they were in shackles and they were coming to build this big lucrative crops like tobacco and rice and all that. And the diaspora was spread out through all, all the countries and all the United States. That's why it's black people everywhere. Can't stop us. Because slavery just became that big. We're talking about America. So in the American diaspora, what ended up happening in the 17th and 18th century is that the African-American slaves, they helped build an economy. They helped build the foundation of the nation, the nation that we currently call the United States of America. It was so great that cotton brought in a revenue so big that the expansion could go on from the south to the west and that was around like 1793 or so so in the mid 1900s 
And in the 19th century, we start seeing a big Western ex expansion. So that's when we kind of get the gold rush in California. That's when we get all these slaves going through different parts of the country. And they finally will make it up to the north. And then it gets kind of bloody in the Civil War. And we have black people fighting there. And though through the Civil War, though the nation at that point had about 4 million slaves. And then the legacy of slavery just continued after that. Though some people thought they should be emancipated, other people figured that, why free them now? We're making a good profit for them. So, as we go on and we keep getting the importance of slave, we talk about the slaves and the slaveholders and um, some of the movements. And we had the great Harriet Tubman who decided to do the Underground Railroad. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Because I wouldn't have made it. I would have been in that railroad and they just would have had to take me. And one of the good quotes from Harriet that I always remember, she said, I freed a thousand slaves. I would have freed a thousand more had they just kept running. Uh, uh, that in and of itself was something else. It's a, it was a whole mindset thing. To put them in ships at the, at the beginning and the hog tie them into these chains that they have never seen these chains of whips in Africa like they've seen. So you put them inside of a confined environment and you keep them there and you keep them there for 400 years and you try to figure out what happens in your psyche in 400 years was, was doing that? What happens in your psyche when you've been chained, detained, and these are the only images of your history that you see? You didn't see the historical concept when you were a god or a king or a queen. You didn't see the historical birthright that you were given when, as a black person in your own environment. You saw from an environment of captivity. So now we enter this scenario where we come into almost modern times and then we figure out, Oh, I'm more than that. My history doesn't start in 1619, but that's all I've ever known. And if anybody know anything about habits and the way that we do things, we're conditioned to a certain, a certain concept, certain mindsets. And so since we're conditioned to these mindsets, we have to sit there and reevaluate and renew our minds and come into a new fruition of what we're supposed to be. Because if we don't know where we're supposed to be and no one ever told us how we should act, how we should behave, what should we think of ourselves, the positive thinking, positive speaking, then how will we ever know? It's almost training a child to go around or ride a bike that has no concept to know what a bike is. So when we tell black people to live the American dream, we are telling them to live a dream that has nothing to do with them. Their American dream from their American root and their American history happens in a bondage, happens in a ship coming over where they seeing people die, where women are being raped, where men are being burned, where men and women are being beaten, hung and lashed out on. And in 2017, what has changed? We haven't had much change since then. We still have the same institutionalized racism confinement going on. We our prison rates. How is it that the population of black people is 13 percent, but the population of blacks in prison is 89? It makes no sense. It's no historical fact, it's no rhyme or reason, but that it's the concept in the battle of our minds that we have not come out of those slaves and those shackles. And because that's the imagery that was given to us, that's the root of our history, so that's the root of who we are. So trying to untangle and unfigure what can happen with this, we get kind of stuck and lost in limbo. And we start thinking, well, what can I do? 
What should I do? How should I think? How should I be? Do I have to behave like Massa? During the dark and degradating days of slavery, where men and women were beat, whipped with chains, tied together, being raped, burned, dying, being pushed off the side of the boat, being ran through in the cornfields, there arose a song. There arose a song on the slave ship that goes down to be one of the oldest songs in the American history of the founding of the church. The song is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace has a rich history behind it because the slave owners will always hear the slaves singing these songs. Amazing Grace is the only huh, first only our first. I, I get confused. <laughs> but it's the hymn that you can play the hymn on all the black keys. And they didn't get it. They didn't use the black keys. But we do. So now that we use the black keys and they came out singing, though they went through all of that trouble and knowledge, out of all the genocides, out of the, all the 400 years of dealing with just neglect, being spit on, being abused, being tortured, being killed. Black people never stop singing that first initial song, Amazing Grace. And that to me is one of the strongest pursuits that is never really discussed. They kept teaching about Jesus and how he will make a way and that there was a God. And if you follow the drinking gorge, you can wade in the water and wait. And oh, there's a ship to Zion that's coming to get you and take you to a place that's different over the Jordan River. So swing glow, sweet chariot coming forth to carry me home. They never blame God. They continue to teach their kids about God. They continue to teach their kids that he's a savior. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. And still in 2017, are they lying? Does God still work that way? Are they able to still believe that he can stand there and watch the manipulation that they've dealt with? And still say that he's good. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the disenfranchisement of them not being able to vote. Let's talk about the assassination of the one who was nonviolent that went to the Congress and sat in front of presidents and still the answer wasn't there. Let's talk about police brutality. Let's talk about how in one year, one year, police took out 500 and some odd civilians with no conviction. Let's talk about all the names of the black men who lift their hands and swear to take an oath to protect this country that never get rewarded. Let's talk about the Golden 13, how they started something new and decided to do something different, but they're not revered in history as being a pinnacle part of the American dream. 
I don't understand. Am I missing something? What more do they have to do? And I know somebody's going to mention black on black crime, but you tell me if you were to train a person to be handcuffed, raped, abused, and that's the only thing that they saw and you put them in a circle to do the same thing. The only thing that they remember to do is act in that violent tone. So black on black crime did not start in the black community. It started on that slave ship. Black on black crime didn't start in the hood with drugs and guns. It started when you captured them and you put them in chains. Debbie dad did not start. When people started not being married, it started way back in the memory that they had from long ago when they stripped the fathers out of the black home. They made it illegal for him to do anything that was positive. They made it illegal for him to prosper and to move forward. And if he did go just a little too far, he was stepping outside of his territory. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how our foundational principles only made black men, black men, two thirds of a person. When young black men are being shot by white police officers, when young black men are being choked by police officers, when young black men are walking down the street being shot by white men when young black men are considered less than average when black women are being killed because they knew their rights America we have a problem we have a disconnect in our humanity we have a disconnect of who we are as a people we have a disconnect of human nature when these things can occur and we don't have a moral sense that something has to be done, something outside of our race, something outside of, of our gender, something outside of who we are has to be done, we have a problem. So let's just talk about religion real quick. I'm not really going to spend a whole lot of time on this. It's just something that has to be said that, that just correlates with this so perfectly and how race and injustice kind of became so as i stated amazing grace was the song that was sung among the slaves in the slave ships and it came to be one of our oldest hymns and etc when when we hmm, how do we put this how do we put this when we understand that out of that amazing grace movement or the amazing grace system we got into a thing where we discorded where our unity was and because we didn't have unity in those things that we were supposed to be united in then it separated the races it separated the black people from the white people the men from the women that caused a big discord then they used the bible to manipulate what should have happened or what could have happened. Uh, it, it says in the Bible. The two highest commandments. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. 
What happened was something inside of that love God happened and something inside of the love people went away because there's no way you can love a person and enslave them. There's no way you can love a person and burn them. There's no way you can love a person and rape them. There's no way you can absolutely love a person and treat them with vicious intent, with malice, with harmful behaviors, with derogatory speech. It's impossible. So they may have got the love God part right, but I don't know what happened to love people. And then they were brought into submission under that same Bible, that that same God that they said will protect them and bring them out, out of this slavery, out of this bondage. But they were taught that the white man was God. So much so that they had to call him Massa. So much so that they had to say, yes, sir. So much so that they rendered their whole lives to worshiping a human being. That was never God's intent. That was never his motive. That was never his directive. That was never the way that Jesus would have done things. Just not the way. Just can't happen that way. Was not supposed to happen that way. But when the mind is confused and you're held under submission and you're not eating and you're eating garbage and you're getting beat and raped and burned and mis mistreated and spat on and killed for any little thing you do just to be used as an example, then that's exactly what happens. That becomes your God. Whatever holds you in content becomes your God. Right, so we got a couple of questions here that we're going to address. One question comes from, oh, so two of them are anonymous. That's cool. And it says, why is race such a big factor in determining a person's future? Okay, so let's talk about that. I don't believe that race is a factor in determining somebody's future. I don't think it determines our outcome, our success. However, there are certain barriers of your certain race in a certain time. This is not just against black people. This is not just against white people, Hispanic people, Asian people, Native Americans. It goes, the list goes on and on. It becomes a factor when you've been disenfranchised or you've been taken out of a situation in order to be blocked. Like black people in the tech community right now. There, there's a blockage happening within that market. There's a blockage that happens in a lot of markets, uh, the Wall, Wall Street. There's blockages that happen in the top 100 financial communities. Are there outliers? Yes, you have your Oprah Winfrey's. You have people out there that can do it. However, they have to be they have to almost be invited into that community. Does that make sense? So, so, so do you think that we have to huh? do you think that we have to rid racism to move forward? Hmm. I don't think I don't think at this point in time in life we'll ever get rid of racism. I think we've had a black president. We we've had one of the richest women, one of the richest people in the world as, you know, Oprah Winfrey. Um I think at this point in time in life that we're we're just really dealing with 
something different. We have to be able to relate to each other on a humanistic level. We have to be able to say, that's my brother, that's my sister, regardless of the race, regardless of the gender, regardless of whatever identity we choose. And that's when I talked about unity earlier. There was a discord in the unity. There was a discord in the way that we were that we were looking at things. Our approaches were different. So when we come out of a out of a foundation of discord, the only re, the only way to get back into a foundation of cord is to kind of be on an accord. See, America doesn't have a distinct identity like Europe and Asia and Africa. We just don't. We don't have that. We don't have the identity. We have people that were drug here. And we have people that were willingly able to come here and create themselves to be that individual, to be that system of that they wanted. But the black people didn't have that opportunity. They were given an identity as soon as they landed here. Their identity was stripped from them and they were given this new identity of a slave mentality. And that's still kind of what we see today. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to boycott football because a man took a stand that were 40 years ago taking that same stand. We will be looking at him as a hero. But he took a stand, a stand that I, a veteran of the United States Navy, fought for. A stand that gives him that free speech that say he that say he wants to do it. And many people are are saying that, oh, well, the NFL owners, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to the root of it. It's because he's a black man. He took a stand on a black issue. Now he's being cast out as an evil person. Where we have people that are playing the sport that literally beat their wives on live video. We have people that were accepted to the sport that can kill dogs. We have people that's accepted to the sport that constantly use drugs and rape people. Have These are not good moral characters. And I'm not saying they should be constantly penalized for them. Don't get me twisted. There's grace that abounds for everybody. But we have a man standing here that stood up for a right cause. Stood up to bring national attention to something that many people that even watch football didn't know was going on. There, are, When there are people dying and somebody standing up for the cause, something is going wrong. So we have to stand up and kind of find some kind of unity. Some kind of conversation has to be had that actually changes things. Yo, so for my buddy Christina. Christina asks, have my race hindered me in the, my professional positions or opportunities? Um, That's an interesting question. Because for me, I'm going to say, hell yeah, it has. <laughs> I typically would probably say, I don't know. But honestly, I guess in some situations that it has. When I was a member of the United States military, I, I endured a lot of racism in the higher rank I got. When I was low rank, it didn't really matter. But when I started making big decisions, it kind of started to matter. Um, also, when I was in college, I went to a school that was predominantly white, I'm assuming. It was in the Valley of California. So, shout out to CSUN. Yeah, I mean, Cal State Northridge in the house. Matadors, Olay. Yes, I was the director of Spirit of Homecoming, so I have to have a lot of spirit. Anyhow, but when we initially got there, it was a population of 1.8% black. It went up to 2.4 the year that I came, but then we still weren't treated right. There was on campus, there was the, they have the oldest Pan-African Studies department. However, they only had a BSU. They didn't have an NAACP. When trying to implement an NAACP or any black organization, there was no funding. 
There was no bylaws. There was no constitution given. There was no layout. So me and my friends, we were pretty radical. We went to the chancellor's office in Sacramento, tied ourselves to the desk because of police brutality, so forth and so on. And we put these addendums in place and we thought they were pretty cool. However, we felt the disenfranchisement. They still didn't want to NAACP there. We had to get the local chapters. We had to get the state chapter. We had college kids from coming all around from other universities to help us do this. And eventually we go down as the founders of the NAACP at Cal State Northridge, which is great. Now our thing was, now we need to recruit more educated seniors to come into this university that is not really willing to accept them or that's going to put them in a remedial class or that they think is going to just hang out in front of Sierra Hall. That's probably still the little wave. We probably still all hang out in front of Sierra Hall. I did not went to class, however. So, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. There, race plays an issue in everything that we do. Sometimes you don't even know the opportunities that could be afforded to you, but they're not because you are a certain race or because you're a man or because... I don't know, you're gay or transgendered or, I mean, we don't get to see all of the things that go on inside of our, each other's heads. If we did, it'll be much easier society because at least I know you didn't like me. Good question, Christine. for all those stars and all that love and all the questions and answers it's a big thing to try to apart our heads and unpack everything that has to do with racism and injustice and just the way we function in life but i leave you with this treat people how you want to be treated it's really that simple it doesn't matter black white orange yellow indifferent donald trump still treat them right you know what i'm saying you never know in the long run we're all gonna need each other i mean at the end what is it gonna be? Are you just gonna sit there and allow somebody else that bleeds just like you just to suffer and die? I know we're in the age of social media where everything we have to put it on Snapchat before we call 911, that doesn't seem like it's still the right thing to do. At some point in time in life, everything can be on Instagram Live and everything can be on Facebook Live. Sometime in life, we're gonna have to be alive and go lend a helping hand. So lend a helping hand, be alive. Thank you for listening to Unfiltered Love Radio. We signing out. We checking out. Check out the podcast for tomorrow. Keep spreading love and make sure you live in your mega life today.